Uh, we are without any musicians at Rapid Run, and we uh, asked him to come and lead us, and thank you. That uh, song he just sang is from a Psalms project that uh, he is working on that will be uh, released this year. He's taken all the musicians, uh, the many musicians in our congregation, and, and he has written a Psalms album, um, which will be fantastic, and you have that to look forward to. Um, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. I'll explain while we're turning there in a moment. While you're turning there, very briefly, want to highlight an announcement um, that Foundations Week is coming up on us quickly here in two weeks. Uh, this is always a very uh, well-attended Foundations Weekend. We haven't had one since early spring, so um, there are a lot of new people to our congregation um, who um, have come since our last Foundations class, you need to know that the best way to get connected at Taste Creek Presbyterian Church is to sign up for this Foundations weekend. It's a Friday night, Saturday morning. We feed you. There's childcare. It's fun. And you get to know us, and we get to know you. I will be there. Mark will be there. Um, we'll teach you the Foundations of Our Faith, answer any questions you may have. It does not sign you up for membership. So if you're just, even if this is your first time visiting today, and you are intrigued by this, come sign up today. Sign up and come join us and hear more about us if you've been visiting for a while and have yet to take that step into uh, more community and connection here, come to that. Um, if you have been here a long time and have never jumped in membership, come to that. Uh, you'll see how to sign up there. Uh, you need to know this one fills up quickly. I think we're close to halfway there already. We keep it at 30, 40 spots. Um, so you need to sign up quickly if you want to be a part of that. We would love to have you. Okay, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much, with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. The word of the Lord. We do thank you, O God, for your word, and we pray that you would impress its truth upon our hearts. Meet every single one of us uniquely where we are by your spirit, how we need this, and we all need it. We all need your word. We come as a hungry people. Feed us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are looking at your watch, I realize that we're getting going here a little late. Mark uh, whispered to me, what are you going to do about your sermon? And uh, I started cutting up there, but I liked what I was cutting. So I'm not going to cut it. I'm going to preach my sermon. So uh, we're good. We're usually good at an hour and 15 minutes. Uh, give, me, give me 10 extra minutes today, all right? We're going to get you to lunch. If your stomach starts growling, deal with it. You can, you can handle. Suffer for Jesus for 10, 15 extra minutes today, okay? Got it? If you complain about it, go complain to our African-American brothers and sisters at church. They're, they're not out for another few hours, and uh, they think we're silly the way we worship, and there may be some truth to that. But, all right, here's what we're doing. Uh, we've got, we always start our new sermon series the day at the week after Labor Day, and, um, and we're going to get there. What that does is it gives us August uh, to, for me to preach a little bit topically 
to revisit vision and values, to kind of recenter ourselves going into the new year. Um, so coming off of my leave, um, we have an ordination uh, service or installation service that's taking place today. So I needed, a, I needed to write a sermon that would fit that occasion. So a lot of this is directed to Sam. Um, but also would meet us where we are. And um, here's what I would like for this to do. I'd like for this passage to um, set the stage, not just for his ministry, but for us and our church this year. Um, I always get a sense when I, I feel like when I retreat and pray and get time to think, um, I, I, I feel like I always come back with a sense of this would be my heart's desire for the congregation this year. And, and if it's anything, it's, it's this. So I'm going to let this passage not only set him up in ministry, but shape our congregation for the year. And it's a familiar passage, uh, Martha and Mary. I, I'll set it up this way. Um, we did have a great vacation. Thank you uh, so much. I, I did get a lot of writing done, but also got... A lot of time with the family and uh, much needed time with the family and vacation and rest. I suppose everybody's asked me, are you refreshed? And no, I'm not. I just spent a couple weeks with four little boys. And so, no, I'm not refreshed, but I had fun. Had a lot of fun. Um, and so I'm totally a cheesy dad who, um, who, who, who wants them to experience all these great things and plans out all these great things and activities and all this stuff. And, and tell me, parents, if you get this, like, and you get really frustrated with them when they don't enjoy it the way you think they should be enjoying it. Like, they're not appreciating what you have planned for them. And um, kind of get mad. I mean, a couple times I get mad, like, you will enjoy this. If you're not happy, just smile and tell me you're happy. But... Um, here, here's, here's my frustration. I, I, we got done with the trip and all that, and, and I asked him, I said, you guys, what was, the, what was your favorite part of that vacation? And we did, we did some wonderful things. What was your favorite part of the vacation? Oldest, uh, the car trip out there. Thank you. Um, second, um, I don't know, just hanging out. Uh, Owen, wrestling. Could have done that in Lexington. And then, of course, my, my, uh, my uh, newest one couldn't care unless we were in the backyard or, or, or in Colorado. So, I wasted a lot of money this past month um, on my family. Um, I could have driven in a car with Holt. I could, I could have wrestled with Owen. I could have just hung out with Charlie and, you know, Henry doesn't care. But it's, it's frustrating in one sense as, as, as the guy who wants them so desperately to be having fun and appreciating all that I'm doing for them. But it's touching um, because you know what they're saying in that, right? Um, it's that they enjoy me more than what I can offer them, right? And parents, you, you know this lesson, right? You plan these great vacations and um, all that stuff, but really they just, they just like dad away from the distractions of ministry and the demands of, of uh, not that y'all are demanding, but you know what I mean, but just away from all of this and just unfiltered dad. Doesn't matter if we we're in Colorado or in the backyard. They just get dad. And so in a way, it's touching, in a way, it's frustrating. And this is the lesson that is playing out for us in this very familiar passage. Martha is busy doing so much for Jesus. I mean, going crazy for Jesus. Legitimately compelled by a love for Jesus. Wanting Jesus to enjoy himself in her home. Serving him, making the preparations, doing everything. When Jesus just wants to be with Martha. I don't, I don't Martha, I don't, I don't care about all this stuff you're doing. I just want you. 
And I'm going to ask this lesson from this passage to set the tone, not just for Sam's ministry, but for this year at TCPC. The passage is, divides itself. It, it outlines itself very easy. It's just contrasting Martha and Mary here. So this is how I'm going to approach it. I'm going to, we're, going to look at, we're going to consider the service of Martha and then the submission of Mary. Service of Martha. Verse 38. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Now, most of us are very familiar with this passage, enough to know that Martha is kind of the bad example that you're not supposed to follow. And so because of this, we are conditioned to kind of demonize her. But you need to know that that's, uh, that's not how you're supposed to see this passage. It's not how you're supposed to see her. You're supposed to view her as the admirable one because she is. She's eagerly welcomed Jesus into her home. She gets right to work, serving him, meeting his needs, exuding hospitality. She, she's doing exactly what you would do if Jesus were to show up at your house. Like, get busy, clean the place up, get him snacks. What do you want, Jesus? Serve, serve, serve. And why is that a bad thing? And the answer is, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. The problem, however, is that a good thing has replaced the greater thing. Look at the wording of verse 40. But Martha was, that word, distracted with much serving. And what's so interesting about this passage here is that Jesus views Martha as the distracted one when we would view Mary as the distracted one. Martha seems focused to us, American way, right? Going at it. Responsibilities, getting the job done, working hard. So why does Jesus call the focused work ethic service busyness distracted when we would call that focus? Well, because Jesus views himself as the focal point. She's distracted, not from her work. She's actually really diligent at that and focused. No, no, no. She's distracted not from her work, but from her worship. In her authentic desire to serve Jesus, she is distracted from Jesus, which is oh so easy. And herein, we find a vivid illustration of our lives as followers of Jesus. The application is very easy for you, Sam, uh, my warning to you, not just from the passage, but from real personal experience, is that one of the greatest distractions from Jesus is ordained ministry in the name of Jesus. That is the irony of the pastorate. How much work we do for Jesus and how easily we can forget Jesus. Ironically, our UFUK or Taste Creek Presbyterian Church may very well be the greatest threat to our first love because he can so easily become our second love replaced by service in his name. So the applications for ministers are easy here. But you need to see yourself in this as well. Do you know what Martha's doing in our text? Her job. Culturally, this is what was expected of women. Uh, this, the, men, the men have gathered, the women get busy serving, which as an aside, because I can't resist, isn't it so beautiful that Jesus commends Mary as she awkwardly neglects her cultural expectations by sitting with men at the feet of Jesus, and he loves that? It's beautiful. Always like to point that out about Jesus. But my point is that Martha got distracted simply doing her job. Not necessarily like ministry stuff religious stuff and certainly not even evil immorality stuff sins just the normal expectations of the home of life and that's where you will find yourself in the text we typically think of gross immorality as that which comes between us and Jesus and certainly that is the case 
But more often, it's not the adultery. It's the demands of the job. It's the demands of parenting, of the home, of schooling, education, waking up. Endless lists of do's that are before you every day that just kind of rush at you in the morning. Good things, noble things, things that do have to get done, things that should be done in the name of Jesus also happen to be threats to your fellowship with Jesus. And what we need to see is that these more subtle, good, um, I would call them clean distractions can be just as harmful and destructive as those big evil transgressions we think of. And that shows up in our text. I want you to watch as things quickly unravel here. I mean, she comes undone. Relationships are destroyed with with others, with herself, and and with Jesus. Look at the way it's just, just destroying her relationship with her sister, with others. Continue verse 40. She went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Do you, do you sense the resentment there, right? Martha is busy serving. Mary is just sitting there. Martha is indignant. She is bitter. She's angry. How, let you do, how, how dare you let me do all the work? Jesus, tell her to help me. Here's what happens. Busy communities, I, I would say this especially. Religiously, religious busy communities, doing a lot of religious stuff, inevitably turn into bitter fractured communities because they inevitably turn into competing communities. If the center of my religion is doing stuff for Jesus, more, 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 then how do I measure whether I'm doing enough for Jesus? Well, the only only thing we can do is start comparing ourselves to others. How are you doing? How am I doing compared to you? How much are you doing? And either this will lead me to pride because I'm outperforming you for Jesus, or guilt because you're outperforming me for Jesus, or resentment because I'm doing all the work around here, you're not doing anything, and on and on these applications go. But what happens is in this way, religious busyness unravels community because it turns us into competitors bitter at one another. It's not just relationship with others that is affected, also relationship with self. Continue on, verse 41. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is necessary. How perfectly does that describe so many of you? It describes me, so I can say you. Robert, Robert, you are anxious and troubled about so many things. I ask one thing. The key to understanding her anxiety and your anxiety and my anxiety is the contrast between many things and one thing. Jesus says, you're distracted by many things, but only one thing is necessary. And we're going to talk about that one thing in the next point. But for now, the point is that Martha is troubled by many things, and here's the key, that apparently Jesus does not see as necessary. What that means is that Martha has placed upon herself expectations that Jesus does not expect of her. I want you to think about that, the audacity of that, that we all do. You want to be anxious? You want to be stressed out as a follower of Jesus? You want to be burdened? Demand more from yourself than Almighty God expects of you. (laughs) God, you don't ask enough of me. I got to add to the list. That'll stress you out. And so she's freaking out. 
with stuff that Jesus doesn't expect. It's not just relationship with others, not just relationship with self. Obviously, the most importantly, it hurts relationship with Jesus. Ultimately, it's not Mary, her sister, who's troubling to Martha. It's Jesus. Listen to her words. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Did you catch the irony there? Lord, okay, you can't address someone as Lord and then immediately question their character and tell them what to do. Lord, do you not care, question the character, tell her, tell her, Lord. Whenever either of these are the dispositions of our heart, you know something is off. Whenever you look at the Lord Jesus and question his goodness, whenever you look at the Lord Jesus and tell him what he ought to be doing in your life, something's off. But remember, please, Martha is busy serving Jesus. She loves him. She's invited him into her home. There is an authentic desire to welcome him with hospitality, but she got distracted. And serving Jesus replaced being with Jesus. And that exchange bears fruit in resentment towards Jesus. He is no longer a joy. He is a burden. He isn't freeing. He is enslaving. And in so doing, what has happened is when we do this, we we turn Jesus into every other religion. A demanding deity with an endless list of the many things he wants us to be doing rather than a personal savior who just wants you. So very quickly, this thing has totally come unraveled with her distraction. She's bitter at her sister. She's eaten up with anxiety and troubles. And she's yelling at Jesus. That sounds like someone in the thralls of addiction, right? You work with people through some really tough stuff. That's what happens. They destroy the community. They're an anxious mess. They're mad at God and all this stuff. I mean, this sounds like a serious case, but it's not. It's someone who's too busy. (laughs) Someone who's too distracted. Someone who has allowed good things to replace the ultimate thing. Let's turn to Mary. The text doesn't just rebuke the uh, the, the Martha-like Tendency within us, it additionally invites us into the Mary-like posture of submission before Jesus. Verse 39. But Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Now what's interesting here is that this apparently is the one thing that Jesus views as necessary. Again, verse 42, he said, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen that, the good thing, the good portion. So what is the one thing that Mary has gotten right? What is the one thing she did right? You know what the answer is? Nothing. Or two passive verbs. Verse 39, look at the verbs. Mary sat and listened, meaning she did nothing. That's it. In contrast to Martha's distracted busyness, Mary chooses to sit and listen, which apparently is the one thing Jesus expects. So that is the application of the text. (laughs) At least that's the true application of the text. We'll want to heap more on them because of Martha. But that's the true application of the text. Sit and listen. 
Now, you're going to discover that as both freeing and challenging. Its freedom is found in this. All Jesus wants from you is you. How freeing is that? Not what you can give him. Not what you can produce for him. Not what you can do for him. Not what check you can write in his name. Not what awesome family with awesome kids you can build to impress him. Not a big church ministry. Not huge RUF. Just you. He just wants you. Listen. I know you feel, I know we feel pressure, guilt, shame, burdens. I'm not good enough. I'm never doing enough. I could always be better, more, 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 more for Jesus. But please understand that these are religious expectations that we have chosen to heap upon our own souls. Jesus is shouting to us in this text, would you chill out? Could, could you settle down? Relax, sit, and listen. Now, doesn't that feel good? But the same application, in the same way it's freeing, um, or let's put it this way, if it feels so good, and if it's so freeing, and if it seems so simple, then why are we so bad at living this out? Well, that gets to why this is so challenging. Return again to verse 39. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Here's the point. This is no just sitting and listening. This isn't any kind of sitting and listening. This is sitting at the Lord's feet. This is listening to his teaching. Now, if you're anything like me and every Christian I know, that type of sitting and listening is really hard. This isn't sitting and listening to Netflix. Got that down. This isn't sitting and listening to a social media feed. This isn't sitting and listening to the latest podcast. This isn't sitting and listening to the constant bombardment of media and advertisement from our world promoting the other idols of this world. This isn't sitting and listening to the devil's whisper temptation to my besetting struggles. I don't know about you, I'm awesome at all those. Comes very naturally to me. This is sitting and listening to Jesus. And that does not come natural, and that is not easy. So what that means is that we're going to have to work really hard to rest. You have to work really hard, harder than Martha is working in our passage, to sit like Mary is in our passage. Does that make sense? We have to strive to enter the rest. We're going to have to labor for this kind of sitting and listening, somehow in this neurotic, busy, distracted culture of ours where Martha is our hero, and is she not? Is she not the hero of American culture? Somehow, we are going to have to fight to be counterculture in our passion to work really hard to sit and listen to Jesus. And not only that, we're going to have to humble ourselves. Here's the other problem, and here's why we're not good at it. You know the deeper reason behind your restlessness and busyness? The Martha-ness inside of you? You know what the deeper reason is in me? It's pride. At the end of the day, the text is all about submission. That's why I labeled Martha as service and Mary as submission. 
The problem with Martha is that she is up running around as though Jesus needs her to serve him. Jesus does not need Martha. Martha needs Jesus. Jesus does not need you. You need Jesus. Jesus does not need Taste Creek Presbyterian Church. Taste Creek Presbyterian Church needs Jesus. Jesus does not need Sam at the University of Kentucky in university or RUF University. RUF University and Sam needs Jesus. This is so subtle but important to see. Nowhere else um, does this happen in Luke. Look closely at verse 41. But the Lord answered her. Everywhere else in Luke, when Jesus responds to someone, the narrative says, he answered, or Jesus answered. But here and only here, Luke says, the Lord answered her. And I think that's intentional. As if to say, who do you think you are, Martha? I'm the Lord. You need me, not the other way around. Listen, of course Martha couldn't articulate this, but in reality, her actions and our busyness and our do-do-do for Jesus is a self-righteous power play on Jesus. Busyness is a form of control rather than submission. And you know that's true of your busyness too, right? You know, you know it's a pride thing. <laughs> you know it's a control thing. You know you can't sit still because your pride won't let you. But Jesus will not have it any other way. We need him. He does not need us. He came to serve us. He works for us. He suffered for us. He rose for us. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. That's a quote from the Bible. So, in one sense, it is freeing to see Mary as the example here. All I have to do is sit and listen. Well, I can do that, but can you? Is the point. To do so will take a lot of effort and a lot of humility. But it will be worth it. Verse 42, one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. His promise is that what she has chosen is good because it will not be taken from her. Now the subtle jab he's making here is that all of our busyness, all of the busyness, all the things that we give ourselves to so tirelessly will be taken from us. Day after day after day of labors towards things that cannot last and will be taken from us. And he's saying she has chosen the one thing that will never be taken from her, me. In repenting of our competing loves and our, our idolatrous distractions to make Christ preeminent again in our hearts... To remember again Jesus as our first love, we are wisely choosing the one thing that will not be taken from us. Application. Uh, let, me give, let me give a brief word to Sam and RUF. Um, I got an incredibly counterculture vision for your ministry at UK, okay? Take it or leave it. They're laughing, so I guess you're going to leave it, but... What would it look like to form a campus ministry that exists to sit and listen? Wouldn't that be like, what a respite on a college campus. Students, come here to sit and listen to Jesus. I am not going to build this crazy ministry machine. It's going to wear me out. It's going to wear you out. It's going to set you up for a lifetime of burnout. 
I'm going to invite you campus, you weary, distracted, crazy, neurotic, anxious, stressed out, drug addicted, suicidal college students, would you like to come here and sit and listen at the Savior's feet and be renewed? Now, for that to happen, you're going to have to do that is the problem. You, you can't fake a ministry like that. You've got to live that. You've got to cultivate that. And I'm telling you, it will be a balm to the soul of the University of Kentucky. Congregation, um, I, I preached this sermon. Um, here's the application. I preached this sermon uh, the, when, when, I, when you first called me as your senior pastor. Um, it's been six years now. Um, I, I actually preached this passage as my first uh, this is the first Sunday, and I did so intentionally because I, I kind of had the same application that I kind of had. I preached it differently, but same meaning here. And the reason I did that is I said I didn't want to be the new, um, young, zealous, charge the hill, let's go, 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 vision, 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 expand, expand. Like, like I, I said, let's just take the first year of this and just sit and listen. It's the same, pretty much the same application. And we did that. We We just... We spent a year, made no new initiatives, did nothing different. We just sat and um, we preached through Romans 8. I mean, every word of, of Romans 8 and just sat and listened to the most beautiful chapter in Scripture, in my opinion. Um, and then since then, um, we have rightfully, no doubt, rightfully uh, seen a lot of things happen. We've, we have committed ourselves to vision and values that drive us a day. We've seen so much growth. The Lord has blessed us so much. And, and not, not just numerical growth that gets all the attention, but I'm just talking about spiritual growth, um, marriages, uh, families, discipleship, just so much growth. And we've had a capital campaign that we're just finishing up that the Lord blessed far more than we could imagine, um, which enabled us to do new facilities, um, um, finish out the facilities here. We start a new church, which is just thriving and um, and it's just, it's going so, so well. Um, we, we started a, a new annual conference, new ministries. We've hired new staff. Um, here's, the, here's the sense I got coming out of this year and out of my vacation. I think it's time for us to catch our breath. Um, it, particularly here at Rapid Run. I think it's time for us to catch our breath here. Um, and remember our first love. Not that we've forgotten Jesus, but it's time to just make sure, institutional check, to make sure in all of this busyness serving Jesus, we do not forget Jesus around here. It's just very easy for churches to just get so busy in the work of Jesus that we forget Jesus. Um, and, and, and I just, I need a breath. I think you need a breath. So let's take a breath this year. Let's sit and listen at the feet of Jesus. Now that's going to... Um, we have intentionally thought, I'm setting myself up for later on in the month when we talk about some new initiatives for this year, but the initiatives are directed towards that. Um, we want everybody in community, living together in community. Um, we want everybody to be known. We want everybody to intentionally be pursuing the Lord in their own devotional life, things like that. We, we want you to sit and listen to Jesus this year, and we're going to create systems that you have to take advantage of, okay? That's, we're going to do as much as we can. You've got to jump in on this and commit yourself. We'll be part of this. That's coming. But will you just commit this year personally in your home, here at the church, sit and listen? This would be a good question of application to consider. You know, what always gets convicted is the big sins in your life, the big struggles, and, and I want you to be convicted and keep fighting. Keep fighting the good fight of faith, okay? 
But I would like for you to consider what consistently gets in the way of your relationship with Jesus that doesn't fit into the big sin category. What keeps you from his word? What keeps you from prayer? What keeps you from not attending church every week? You want to know a great way to sit and listen? Come to church. This is ordained, come sit and listen. What keeps you from church? What keeps you from immersing yourself into biblical community? What keeps you from friendship? What keeps you from others? What distracts you from Jesus? And I'm not just talking about the big sins. I'm talking about the stuff that if we were watching your life, like we were watching Martha's life, we'd say, well, that's not that bad. What are these things? And how about we repent, not just of our ugly sins, but of our good distractions and make room for more Jesus? I'll tell you this, I'm done. That would make Jesus really happy. By way of motivation, I want you to know that the reason Jesus prioritizes this is because he actually really is into his people. Do you know why Jesus wants Martha to settle down and sit down? Because he wants to hang out with her. He wants to be with her. He's into her. And I would just say this to you, distracted American Christians. Jesus misses you. He misses you. Jesus wants us. He wants you. It's the way it works. I, I, gave, you, I gave my kids a hard time about our vacation. Now, all the, the things they came out are stuff with me, but I started thinking about over what my vacation highlights were and them. I love, uh, I love getting to go out and fish on my own and catch some big trout, but it wasn't as exciting as having my kid in the river next to me catching a little tiny trout and watching him go crazy, right? I love the mornings alone with my coffee and my books, but just waiting for the little pitter-patter coming my way, you know, and just the, the craziness and just light up when you get to see him again. I love the date nights out with Abby all by herself, but I love the table with laughter, and I'm taking that one back. I, I like Abby more than, than that one. I, I'm with you on that one, babe. But you get the point. Um, it's not just the kids who want to be with their father. It's the father who delights to be with the kids. And the gospel is the good news that we want God, yes, but God wants you. Jesus is jealous in this text. He's jealous for Martha because he wants to hang out with Martha. And Jesus is likewise saying to us, would you chill out? I miss you. Jesus wants you. Don't believe me? Look at what he has done to have you. He didn't do so much for you so that you could do so much for him. He did so much for you so that he could have you. Don't ever listen to the gospel presented this way. Look how much Jesus has done for you. What will you do for him? That is not the gospel. It's look at how much Jesus has done for you. He must really be into you. Now, aren't you into him? Let's pray. Lord, as we come to your table and your reminder that you want to be with us, this is the enduring, ordained reminder that you like to be with us. You want us. You want us to stop everything and come and be with you. Bless communion. Meet your people. In Jesus' name, amen.